Hello, welcome to yet another episode of the Darkest Timeline Podcast with your hosts, Joel McHale and Ken Jung. Hi. Wait, hold up. That's not us, is it? No, it's not. Fuck. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately. I get these things mixed up, you know. One white guy, one Asian guy. Uh, underpaid, underqualified. That's us, right, Ja? Unfortunately, we're not, we're, we're not rich and famous. We're not there quite yet. I'm sure when we start our sitcom, it'll get seven seasons and two movies. Hey, in your face, community cast. <laughs> we'll get Dan Harmon to be our showrunner, too. <laughs> and we won't fire him midway. <laughs> yeah, we won't have Chevy Chase on our cast to bring everything down and fuck it up. But, oh, dear gosh. Uh, yeah, here we are again. And yet another podcast in these quarantine times. Uh, I think everyone's kind of getting adjusted to it, maybe getting used to it. But uh, how's life been for you, Jeff? Um, okay. So I'm at this phase, I'm at this crossroads with my life. So it all started with community and I swear <laughs> I'm leading up to it where, uh, I started this new TV series. It was community, loved it, hate it towards the end, just cause behind the scenes drama was just escalating too bad. And so it got me to this point where it's just like, I'm a little bit afraid of starting a new TV show. <laughs> Don't want to be hurt again. Yeah, no. So it was just this emotional disappointment where I'm like, I'm hurt <laughs> and, wow. and so I didn't want to start a new TV show. And so I made a poll of like, Hey, where are some suggestions? And these are some really spawn suggestions, which eventually once I am mentally stable enough and competent enough, I'll probably continue. But I had strong support for shows like psych and dark because I guess they're in a way where it's like a very niche, a lot of people liked it. And so it, there's a lot of strong support for it. Yeah. And so I went ahead and started watching dark finished it earlier this week. Uh, I feel honored too because didn't Dark lose the poll? It was Dark versus Ozark, and most people voted for Ozark. Yeah, most people were voting for Ozark, and for the comedy question, I was choosing between Kim's Convenience and Psych. I mean, everyone's going to pick the one that's more recent, right? Yeah. Um, but a lot of people did mention, yeah, Psych. I did watch it. I did enjoy it. Blah blah. blah. Um, yeah, that's one of Christine's favorite shows, like we talked about. Yeah, and then so recently, after I finished, caught up with Dark since there's a new season coming out. I've mm-hmm. been um. What have I been watching? I've been watching reruns of the old Naruto anime. <laughs> nice. The same yeah. bet. I know I won't get hurt. Yeah, I feel that. I get in a mood sometimes where, I mean, when you start a new show, there's also like, there's kind of an investment period, you know? They're like, you're investing time in these characters you're not totally familiar with. It's not like comforting to you yet. So it's kind of like, will you get that payoff? Because sometimes you just invest time and time into a show and you never like the character, so it's not worth it. And then some shows, like, by the third episode, you're, like, really interested in a character and you're into it. So, yeah, I feel that about the risk-reward of, like, starting a new show. Yeah, exactly. So it's, like, I can't get emotionally invested again because it'll hurt so much. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I can't think of the last time I had a show that hurt me like that. I mean. Um, So one of my favorite shows, it was supposed to end this season, but because of COVID, a lot of shows are delayed, right? And so that show was um, Supernatural. And I joke that it quote unquote is um, having a season, the season renewed because the last seven episodes are going to be premiered next season or next when a normal season would start. TV season. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that is pretty funny. It is kind of cool, I guess. Milks it. So you get like longer supernatural. It does. And so like, I've joked around people. I'm like, guys, I'm going to be crying. I'm going to be emotionally distraught. And I got delayed and I'm like, guys this is going to hurt harder now <laughs> wow i feel like the one saving grace of 2020 for me is dark because that show like i like 
I just got into it over the past month as you know, anyone who listens to podcasts is probably knowing I've gotten totally obsessed with it. And I feel like it's perfect timing because I came right into it right when season three is being worked on. <laughs> Cause apparently the original plan, the rumor is that it's supposed to be June 26th. Like I told you uh, off the podcast, because the rumor is like in the show, the apocalypse happens on June 26, 2020. So then it'd be even perfect for the final season to come out June 26th. And like start, when I started watching it, I never, like, I, I just assumed there'd be delays because there's, you know, delays on everything that was supposed to come out. But this is, like, the one show that, like, I've seen the, like, showrunner, like, openly post and be like, yep, yeah, we're on track for still releasing on time. Like, it's almost it's all done. Like, done with episode six, only two more left. Like, I'm like, fuck yeah, like, one show to, like, not let us down. And, like, I've been so hooked on it that this is probably going to be, like, my Avengers Endgame of this year, like, like Endgame was for me last year. Yeah, I'm sure it helped that, like, they were filming so early in advance and really the biggest, um, like, thing that would hold them back is, is um, what you call it, just production, post-production stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's nice if you get all the footage. That's got to be so perfect if you got all the footage, like, in February, you know, this year before all this happened. So all you have to do is just edit it and, like, add the effects and whatnot. Yeah, no, exactly. So it worked out for them. So, which is me hoping that – I'm pretty sure Baby Yoda – show is postponed aka mandalorian i forgot the word literally and i'm that's the only reason why i'm still watching the show because of baby yoda they keep announcing more people on that show like uh did you hear boba fett is going to be on next season cool if he kills baby yoda i'm going to be upset <laughs> speaking of mandalorian actually did you know on that cast reading the guy the specific for community, uh, going back to community, the guy that uh, reads the will in the episode that they're reading is mm-hmm. uh, going to be played by the guy that uh, plays the Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal. <laughs> oh, wait, he's going to be on the community? Like, um, the thing that's coming up this Monday for the whole uh, table reading? Yeah, yeah, he's going to... Oh so, in the, in the episode, there's a guy, I forget the actor's name, he reads the will. Do you remember that episode? Yes, I remember. That guy was so freaky. Yeah, yeah. So he's gonna he's he couldn't make it. So they're getting the guy that plays the Mandalorian, aka Pedro Pascal. I don't understand why. I don't get it, but I'm perfectly fine with that. And we're <laughs> running with it. And I have it in my work calendar, specifically my work calendar, blocked out to go listen to that podcast later <laughs> on a Monday too, right? I don't know Monday. Yeah, it's a Monday. Yeah, that's funny. Two p.m. Two. Yeah, that's gonna have a, that, a lot of shows have been doing that. Like Chuck, that was a show I used to love way back in the day. That just did a similar thing, and then White Collar. I think Parks and Rec did it too. So. Yeah, so they were doing it for a benefit. Um, same thing with community. They're also doing it for a benefit. And I think for this one, I might donate just because, like, community has been more of a cult following. And I hope that they're able to garner the revenue that um, Parks and Rec did because apparently the day when they premiered their uh, uh, their benefit episode, reunion episode, they garnered $3 million. Damn. Wow. So, yeah. That's pretty, that's pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, I think they've kind of like changed from a cold show to like, I think with the, them going on Netflix and the quarantine, I think it's almost like a perfect storm. Like I, if, if they don't make a movie after this, I can't imagine when they would, you know, like this is like the perfect storm for all the hype building up and like just schedules opening up for someone to like plan this in the future, you know? So that's, that's the tease right now. So you know how I got into community, like what last in April, I think I got in a perfect time because of, they're coming together. They have all these podcasts, Kevin, uh, Ken Jong and Joe McHale. I keep thinking of Kevin McHale because of basketball. <laughs> we actually talk about today. Yeah, <laughs> nice tease. Yeah. So like, I keep getting that name mixed up, but, um, they're doing a podcast 
and everything. And so I'm like, I joined the fandom such a perfect time because <laughs> Dan Harmon, I think, teased how, hey, we have a surprise for you guys coming up. And so everyone's pretty much speculating, oh my gosh, it's actually a movie because hashtag six seasons and a movie. Yeah. Uh, it's always been yeah, it's pretty good timing so i mean joel McHale's talked about it he's like the only thing stopping that is the fact that one of our co-stars blew up and is probably going to need a big salary bigger salary than any of us can afford but it's like i don't know i guess donald glover seems like a cool enough guy that i'm sure he would like not mind like he doesn't need a three million dollar salary for to do it you know i mean i really just hope that he he humbles himself because some people do become prima donnas once they do, they have it going in their heads yeah aka and, chevy chase <laughs> oh my gosh <sighs> i hope he's there for the movie he has to be there you know what i mean somehow like his ghost i don't care like something i don't know how i feel about him <laughs> i don't know i, I don't know because he because he caused the demise that caused uh your your feelings of betrayal with the show <laughs> yeah yeah you really sound like you're going through stuff. <laughs> the way the delivery on that answer really shows some real hurt feelings. <laughs> it's it's knowing that like it had a really good run. It had great directors. Like the Russo brothers were one. Dan Harmon. If you're a big fan of Rick and Morty and his new project that's coming on to was it Hulu? Yeah. You you like the cast. If you also like- Justin Lin directed an episode too. So oh, they had good directors. I found that recently. Right. Justin Lin directed one of the paintball episodes. Yeah. And- I, I remember reading they made an anecdote. They're like, all right, who's this big shot like director guy who's like just nodding his yes to um nodding his head yes into the producers. And then halfway through production, they're like, Oh, he doesn't care. He's just trying to figure out as he goes to like the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, it's funny on that the darkest timeline where they had Joe Russo on, because you know what Joe Russo looks like, right? Yes. Yeah, sure. he uh he said that Chevy once called him a, uh, uh, fuck, what did he say? Like Napoleonic prick or something like that. <laughs> like basically saying he's short and a dick. And uh, there was, he was describing how Chevy one time went on like a tirade against him. He was like, ah, oh, you're untalented. You're not funny, blah, blah, blah. Like while shooting and Chevy was just like going off and off and off. And like Joe's just like standing there taking it. And then as soon as it's over, he's just like, all right. And then just like goes back into everything. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it's sometimes it's like, yeah, I do that in the workplace. And Chevy Chase is basically Pierce in real life. No, he actually did say that in an interview recently. He's like, yeah, that's not too far off for how I actually am. I don't know how I feel about that. Damn. Holy crap. That, that maybe the racism. I don't know. I don't think he's that racist. <laughs> okay, maybe my well, – I don't know. All right. But no, I think it's a perfect time to get this fanhood, fandom. And if you guys are also into community, if you guys need something to get you through – um this quarantine because everyone is going to start crazy and y'all really can't handle it watch the first three seasons highly endorse it you have the underpaid underqualified seal of approval <laughs> yeah i'm sure the community the cast of community really needs that they need our stamp of rule <laughs> i'm literally just on that bandwagon just promoting them on purpose at this point yeah i feel it i've been on kind of a similar band i just watched the i mentioned this off the podcast the it crowd which is like a 10 year old show at this point oh yeah no i mean like i get the memes i, I use their memes every now and then yeah no that character you know moss the richard iowate do you know him the black dude with the uh glasses oh yeah yeah he's he's a treasure he's he's fucking hilarious i love that dude yeah, I don't know. He should, you ever see someone you just like like their potential and just wish they were in more stuff? Is he in more stuff? 
I mean, he is he's in a fair amount of British stuff, but he never I don't know, he hasn't like broke through like American audiences super well. I feel like IT crowd is probably always best known, but that's just a dude who's just hilarious and I just wish he was in like more movies and kinda had his breakthrough hit, you know? Oh yeah, no, for sure, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded right. like the most I don't give a shit. Oh yeah, for sure. Okay, guys. <laughs> well the thing is it's like I'm not invested in him, so I can't say for I know, I know. It was just funny. It's just a uh, funny I talk. mean, I was trying to also look at like other stuff that like Joe McHale's been part of and apparently he has like his own little comedy sketch and a lot of stuff that he's like a part of is very short lived. Like nothing's been oh, like, the most lasting long lasting thing except um this comedy it's like another Tosh kind of thing. But he's the host. Um, is that the new show he has on Netflix? No, that was an old one. But then, which new show are you talking about? I don't know. He has like the Joel McHale show, which is basically the Soup, but on Netflix. Okay, so that actually was an old one. That that happened during Community, and it ended like after two seasons. Really? Yeah. Huh. It showed up as like new on Netflix. Are you? Huh. I don't know. Yeah, but, no, same. Uh, it showed up new for me, and I watched a few episodes. And it was basically if you're into the Tosh Point stuff, like where you're just watching videos from other content and people making fun of it, sure. I watched it for the guest stars mostly. That's, uh, that's, that's what kind of sucks though, because Joel McHale had the soup before Tosh Boido. It's like, now people say like, if you like Tosh Boido, you might like the soup or this. It's like, that kind of sucks for Joel McHale. He had it before Tosh Boido, you know? Oh, uh, he was, I mean, I never really watched these kind of shows to begin with. And Tosh Boido was part of this thing called G4, which yeah. is like a gaming network thing. That's yeah. the only reason why I know about it. I know, but I'm just saying that's kind of suck though. Cause I don't know. Like, like that's like if we made a podcast and then some podcast was influenced by us, and then later somebody's like, "If you like that podcast, you might like the underpaid and underqualified." They were influenced by those, <laughs> you know. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna just going like shit a brick and kill someone. Why? Use the brick to kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> so I just looked it up. The Joel McHale show with Joel McHale was to 2018. Oh shoot. Okay. So this, this one, the one that's on Netflix, this one's 2018 at least. But uh, funny enough. Okay, one last story about 20 about. Uh, community before we go into our topic because uh it's funny this all ties together because richard iwade the guy i just mentioned mm-hmm. so funny enough i don't know if you knew this but joel McHale actually was set to do the american version of it crowd he was going to play like the non richard iwade role oh <laughs> the gonna, okay he was going to play chris yeah you know chris o'dowd he's in bridesmaids irish actor you probably recognize him i would recognize him but i've seen a, a few episodes of it crowd yeah exactly so he plays that role and uh, Richard Iowata just played his same exact character. And there was apparently it was panned. I mean, if there's somebody did like a side-by-side of the first episodes and it's like beat for beat, the exact same jokes, like exact same timing, exact same lines, except Joel McHale's reading the American one. And then Chris O'Dowd's doing the British one. And then Richard Iowata is still saying his exact lines. It's like, I don't know. So this all ties together. Because funny enough, Richard Iowata directed an episode of Community. He directed the My Dinner with Andre one. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he directed that one because he knows Joel McHale. So it all ties together. <laughs> wait, wait. So this American – now you got me interested. So this American version of IT Crowd, is it happening or not? No, uh, they, they did like a pilot, but it didn't – it wasn't successful. This was before Community. Like this was before Joel McHale was like Joel McHale. It was like in between the soup. So he did like a pilot for it. And then because it was the exact same thing, it didn't like ever go anywhere. They kind of canceled it. So – yeah. Oh, it's probably why they played the whole Doctor Who, like, let's make this American version of Doctor Who kind of thing. What? What was in, that? In Community. So they had an episode where they went to, like, oh. a, their version of Doctor Who's uh, Inspector, freaking, I forgot what was it called. Yeah, Inspector Space Time or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Inspector Space Time Convention. And then they had, then they to- took in um, a couple of the uh, the characters in and said, hey, would you watch an American version of this and that? That probably played on 
um, oh, show yeah. life. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. But uh, anyways, anyways, sports. Finally get into our topic. Yeah, as I was going to announce, uh, yeah, that, we're going to act like John didn't just reveal what it was, and we're going to act like there's some, some uh, suspense because uh, what's our topic today, viewers? I'll let sports. you know. All right, that was super smooth. <laughs> so yeah, sports. That's weird. One, we'll have the budget to have a third person to do the technical stuff. <laughs> Two, we'll have the rights to do that. And three, our this next segment will be as well as that song was just now. Yeah. <laughs> so this is uh, we haven't really delved into the topic of sports. Joe had this idea. Uh, I figured why not. I kind of know some stuff about sports. I can know enough to BS, and I'm sure all the diehard sports fans out there will tell me how wrong I am about everything that I mentioned later this episode. But uh, fuck it. Ignorance has always been our MO. <laughs> no, uh, I'll be here to correct you and tell you that you're absolutely wrong, and you should be listening to me and cheer for I don't go to you for correction. So. I go to you for uh Shut your mouth. Moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it was kind of inspired by The Last Dance, right? Did you see that at all? Uh, No. <laughs> me neither i specifically said i'm gonna watch the last dance and what did i do not watch it because we don't prepare <laughs> well okay the reason but, uh, why from what I've heard, oh, yeah yeah no so i actually so growing up i felt sweet michael jordan he's a legend cool like all the other kids i want to follow whoever's the greatest right yeah and then when i fought, when i started growing a personality i realized oh i'm actually not a big michael jordan fan because a person's character off court actually plays into a part how much I like a person. So like when it comes to even actors, when I find out that they're an asshole in real life, like, so before I used to like Christian Bale, but then I heard that uh, he's a difficult actor to work with. Cause he's, he, he became artsy fartsy and basically kind of like a little bit diva every now and then. Uh, yeah. yeah. So stuff like that. And then I heard James Cameron is literally a diva in real life. So like, I like his movies, but him as a person, I'm like, all right, he can just go, I don't care enough. So Michael Jordan's the same thing where like, I can't respect him as a person, but I can respect him as a player. Is he that bad? I actually, I haven't seen him ever be like a total dick. I've heard him just kind of stand his ground and just basically anytime he's ever asked about him or LeBron, he's just like, <laughs> it's not even a question. You know, it's obviously me type of thing. But beyond that, he's always seemed like a relatively nice guy. I don't know. Um, from the stuff, from the, a lot. Of, um, shoot. I think was it Michael Jordan? Shoot, I could be misquoting. I forgot which athlete said hey lebron is easy to block all you have to do is force him to his left when you force him to his left he'll have to do um he's not left-handed he doesn't play left yeah Next game I, but lebron james does exactly start scoring on his left i think i think i actually did hear jordan say that somebody asked him about that and he said it like really quick in an interview just kind of like quickly dismissing him you know type of thing like why <laughs> he's like not the greatest type of thing so i think that was jordan if i'm correct yeah, so it's it's instances where like, so I guess might as well just talk about this debate. Um, when people say, "All right, who's the best player, Michael Jordan or LeBron James?" I'll say, "Okay, it is Michael Jordan because his accolades just stand out more." But for yeah. a lot of people, when they kind of go on the whole, "Oh, if you say LeBron James, you're uh, you're a fanboy, you're an idiot, you don't know basketball." That's one argument. The other is, um basically going back on the you don't understand basketball Michael Jordan's the best shut up and sit down kind of thing how dare you even bring up LeBron James in the conversation and I'm sitting here just thinking all right so you do like Michael Jordan's dick um (laughs) because it's one of those things where it's like 
a player is a great player, but then oftentimes it's been proven more often that a player cannot necessarily coach. A player so, cannot be coach? Cannot necessarily be a coach. Hmm. And so it's been proven where, like, Ma- Magic Johnson, he attempted to be a coach. He was terrible. He attempted to be a GM for two different teams. He ran him almost – he ran one into the ground. He almost ran the Lakers into the ground. Mm-hmm. But he's one of the top ten players in the entire, like, NBA history. Yeah. For example. Another one I would say would be Michael Jordan. Legendary player. But when it comes down to managing uh, managing a franchise, I don't see the Hornets doing so hot. <laughs> and him being an analysis, I don't see you being an analysis very well. You're probably a really great businessman, but outside of that, uh, I don't need to listen to you. Yeah, I mean, the fact that I don't even know the Hornets are a team kind of speaks for itself, I guess. If they the used to be called the Charlotte Bobcats. They used to be what? They used to be called the Charlotte Bobcats. Now they're uh, Charlotte Hornets. Even more so. Never heard that name either. <laughs> so the fact that I even – the average person who doesn't know a whole lot about sports doesn't know that that kind of says all you need to know, I guess. But uh, also all- these kind of questions of, like, who's better, like, in different times. Like, wasn't the game totally different in the 90s too in, in terms of the rules? And also, I mean, Jordan never had to go against the team like the Warriors. Isn't that, like, the argument that people always bring up with the – the Warriors were one of the most stacked teams, I think. Like as soon as certainly as soon as they got Kevin Durant, like nobody it's like the basketball mafia on their team, you know? So it, that's the thing, is that right now so back then in the nineties when Michael Jordan played, right? People are very aggressive. And so oftentimes the way I play basketball and I've noticed like when I play uh street ball every now and then, right? It's actually very physical. And so some people actually get upset by that. I've had people get legitimately upset, like, why are you being so physical? And I'm like, I'm sorry. That's how I practiced growing up. Yeah, it's how you should play. I think it makes for good sports. <laughs> yeah, and the, the thing is that right now, it's back then, there were less rules on, like, how do you foul a person? What kind of contact? And apparently, <laughs> it turns out, half the crap that I do is illegal in the current NBA. What do you do? Just punch them in the gut, kick them in the nads? <laughs> no, so it's like, if you extend your arm out, so, like, a person may be passing you, right? Like, yeah. they may have crossed you, but then if your arm is still sticking out trying to block the person, that's mm-hmm. considered a foul. Uh, I forgot the specific name for that, but then it's like, you can't have your arm lingering there. You have to pull it away if they've already passed you. Back then, it's like, hey, as long as you ain't drawing contact or, like, the guy isn't physically punching you or drew blood, you're fine. Huh. Fun. Yeah, I'm down for that more, I guess. <laughs> it's definitely yeah. more entertaining to watch. So back then it was a lot more physical, right? Um, and then now current days, it's something called um, uh, small ball, meaning a lot of players are smaller because they have a better chance of running up and down the court much longer. And a lot of people have developed uh, shooting a three-pointer. So because of that, that's basically how the Warriors do so well. Because, well, one, you have freaking Kevin Durant at one point. You have Steph Curry and you have Klay Thompson. You have three of the best three-point shooters in the entire league. Yeah. If one person has an off day, you have two other options. Exactly. If everybody has an off day, that's rare. Yeah. Yeah, actually, you know, we should talk about the teams we support. So I'll start off because this ties into the Warriors. So being from the Bay Area, I lived in the Bay Area my whole life. Go to teams. Uh, I always support any of the Bay Area teams with the ones I personally identify with most uh, in terms of, like, rankings. So I'd say baseball, Giants, those are the ones I like the most. Um, then football. 49ers and Warriors basketball are kind of tied, I guess, kind of equal. I like them both, but not. A, I'm not, like, super, super obsessed. I guess Giants are, like, the biggest one of anything. 
Um, but yeah, going back to the Warriors, um, specifically when 20, it was 2015 happened, they won their first uh, championship. I was a big fan of that team. And then like, they had so much momentum the next year, like having just like the season, the regular season where they just kept winning and winning and winning and like, just it was just insane and just uh, I forget what exactly they ended up with how many losses but then they had the close ass game in 2016 uh, the close ass finals with the uh, Cavs where they were down oh 73 and nine yeah yeah oh that was their record yeah yeah and then thank you <laughs> I appreciate that um, and then but I think wasn't that the year they played Thunder and then Thunder was like up three three and zero. Oh? Uh, yeah, so that was a season where it was three and one, meaning yeah. that it's almost rare, like next to impossible statistically, and anybody to come back from a three and one uh, uh, deficit. Yeah, there have been like no teams that have done it before, like a very small amount, something like that. Uh, I forgot the actual, I think it was either small amount or it's never been done kind of thing. Yeah, I think exactly. it was a small amount. Yeah, and then the Warriors end up doing it, so it's like they got all this momentum. Of course they're going to win type of thing. It's just meant to be. And then fucking stupid Cavs end up winning that game, goddammit, and then or get, winning the championship and do the exact same thing that the Warriors just had this big accomplishment on, like being down three and one. Like, ugh. Like, I know, it's like on one hand I totally can't, like, hate on it because, I mean, they did rightfully win. But on another hand, fucking Draymond, why you got to be kicking balls and getting yourself out? Maybe if you were in that last game, we would have won. Who knows? But, uh. I remember yeah. so many people were so salty. About, so it's never been done uh, yeah. to come back from a three and one in the finals. So LeBron is the first one to ever do it. And so that achievement in itself solidified his legacy in the NBA. Yeah, I'd say so. And uh, then wasn't he always trying to win one for the Cavs? That was like his MO and that was the first one, I yeah. think. Right? Yeah. So his, his, for people who don't know anything about sports and I guess we're getting into it at this point, he's quote unquote, the kid from Akron. Uh, yeah. I guess I'm assuming it's a small town and he's from Ohio. So he's a big Cleveland um, supporter and such like that. He builds school there. That's doing really well for a yeah, little, He does a lot for the community. Absolutely. Yeah. And so he, it was, he brought the first championship came back from a three and one deficit. And so I remember in the, being in the Bay area, a lot of people are upset. Like, Oh, it's because uh Warriors didn't have a full roster. That's the only reason why. And Otherwise, he's not that great. And I'm sitting here thinking, but didn't you guys injure one of the best players in another team? And that's the reason why you won? Well, who was the other player? Kawhi Leonard of the Spurs. Ah, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) Yeah, and a lot of people are just on that. And I'm just like, yeah, go Cavs, shut the hell up. No, I will. I think that year for sure was a lot of butter Warriors fans just saying, well, if only we had Draymond. But at the same time, like, there's no guarantee that Draymond would have, like, we would have won 2016 with Draymond, you know, because Draymond's a controversial player because he does play dirty a lot of times and, like, the kicking of the balls thing. And now he's kind of gone downhill even more so. Um, he, mel- he, mel- he actually has mellowed out a little bit. So I'll give him that. Might be because they have no chance of winning <laughs> this year. So he's just kind of, like, given up on it, you know. Okay. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, so long-winded rant. I was going to say the next year when they got Kevin Durant, I was actually not a fan of that because I thought it just made it too stacked. Like, like Bill Burr, like, drew this comparison of, like, it's just, like, if you lose to a team, it doesn't make for a good sports story. If you, like, it makes for a good sports story if you think to yourself, okay, I'm going to go back to the gym, I'm going to work even harder, going to come back twice as strong. 
it doesn't make for a good story. You think, ah, if you can't beat him, join him. And then you just make it super imbalanced. You know, if you have like a, like 50, 50 kind of opposition, kind of two opponents who are pretty evenly matched. And then one of them just like offshoots the balance and goes to the other team. It just stacks things way too strongly in their favor. And I thought it was kind of like a, just, it, it's, it's a lose-lose situation because then if they win everything, then it's like, well, you had to get Kevin Durant to do it. And then it's like, if they lose, then it's like, well, you had, even with Kevin Durant and how stacked you are, you're still losing. So I wasn't a fan of it personally. Um, yeah. Just, I guess more ranting on my end since me for audience, I, I, I grew up in LA. So if y'all know LA, we're, we're pompous about our sports teams. Oh my gosh. We are so freaking dicks about it. And so <laughs> with that said, I have LA sports teams. That's why I'm rooting for them. And so living in the Bay area and hearing all these uh, Bay area fans saying like talking smack. And I'm just sitting here thinking you guys are any better than us now because you guys have tasted glory. You guys are just as pompous as we are. <laughs> and I'm kind of over it. Like anytime when a bear, most times when a Bay area person starts like talking smack, I'm just sitting here thinking you're a hypocrite like anyone else at this point to me. Yeah, it depends on the franchise. I mean, it depends on the person. I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you feel like Warriors fans specifically got pompous after they started winning because of oh, Kevin yeah. Durant? Oh, hell yeah. So, every time when I make the argument, I'm like, you guys have Kevin Durant. They're like, so what? We just happen to be the better team with a better culture, so we get get the best player. And I'm saying everything, but, but, but he's – so, Kevin Durant, to this day, he does not understand why people call him Cupcake, which is a, a joke for saying soft. He doesn't understand. He he mentally does not understand why he's called Cupcake. I actually don't either. Is he actually soft? <laughs> no, it's the reason why. Like, um, it's it's everything you said earlier. Why like he lost a he blew a three one lead, and you end up signing with the team the next year. Oh, okay. And he's yeah. Like, wow. If you can't beat him, you joined him. Yeah, yeah. So there might have been a lot of like off court drama, but at the end of the day, you still went to the team that beat you. Yeah, came back from a three and one deficit. Totally. That is on you. Yeah, that's I don't know. That's just like kind of that's a move that I would like if I was a professional basketball player, or a professional sports player, I would never feel like that's a move I would never feel good in my conscience about. You know, never. And so yeah. when people are like, "Oh no, he just likes the Golden State culture where everyone's unselfish," so yeah, and that's then, why. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's like when we like when we did win those games. There was like a sense of like. It's great, but at the same time, when you, like, peel it back a little bit further, like, can you feel that good about this win? Like, 2015 win I felt good about, like, uh, there was a little – I think wasn't Kyrie, like, injured for 2015? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that was a little bit of a, like, I wish everyone was playing at their full peak. It's kind of – it's like you want both teams at their absolute peak and you don't want an unfair advantage. So, I've always felt kind of, like, weird about that. So, when – I mean, this next season, once they get everyone, like, healthy, I think – the way basketball set up now, I'm really interested. I mean, before COVID hit, like the way next season was going to play out was like the most interesting for me, just with uh, Kyrie and Kevin Durant being on the same team and um, uh, the Warriors getting Steph and Clay back healthy and whatnot. And then like getting them back to the way I felt most comfortable with, like just those three players, and then LeBron kind of getting more like in sync with the Lakers by then. And then Kawhi being on the, the what's that other team? <laughs> uh, with the uh, Clippers. Yeah, Clippers. I don't know. That really seemed like the way I like sports more, where it's kind of like evenly divided, and it really is a. It's kind of like a Game of Thrones. Everyone's looking for the throne, you know. No, so that's the thing is that everyone even made this comment where because the Warriors 
effectively aren't as good as they were before. This is the one year where it felt like everybody has a shot at the chip. Yeah. It is probably the most competitive year where Lakers had a slow start, but towards the second half of the season, right before COVID, they started taking out teams that are top tier that they lost to in the beginning of the season. And mm-hmm. so it became, oh, shoot, Lakers now have solidified for a fact as a dominant threat. Um, I mean, the Bucks and Clippers are still hotly committed teams as well, but mm-hmm. they still have a shot at the chip. And so when you ask anybody, it's like, yeah, I'm going to be biased. I have Lakers are going to win. But if you ask me to sit down and be very honest, <laughs> it's anyone's ball game. It's like, depends on who's injured, depends on how long we play the game. I felt pretty comfortable saying it was the Lakers. I don't know, just LeBron. This seems like I felt bad too. I don't know. I mean, as somebody who doesn't know any sports, it felt pretty obvious to me. I'm like, yeah, it's gonna be LeBron. <laughs> it's it's gonna be the Lakers. A lot of people kept saying that, but I mean, for me, I'm cautious and I don't want to get my hopes up, kind of thing, like to jinx True. it. Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking, Lakers aren't gonna win. Lakers aren't gonna win. I'm nervous. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you're a Laker fan, so you're more invested in that. But for me, as someone who's absolutely not a Laker fan, I could, like, it felt pretty objective. I'm like, they're definitely the team. I mean, it felt like it was going to be Lakers and Clippers as, like, the biggest rivalry. But didn't the Lakers pretty much beat the Clippers every time they played? No. So, they played – I'm trying to recall. How many times did they play? Is it two or three times? Um, No, they played three times. And so, they lost the first two. And as a Lakers fan, we're like, damn it all. Lakers are way too – Clippers are way too stacked because their team is way too balanced. They're actually playing some solid team ball. Kawhi Leonard, he keeps doing load management to rest. <laughs> so he's always going to be, like, resting and setting out games, which we can talk about later. But um, but then they finally smack – they destroyed them in the third game. And so after Clippers that, destroyed that, the Lakers? No, Lakers destroyed the Clippers oh. in the third matchup because they meet four times in a season. Okay. And I'm just sitting there thinking, we have a shot. <laughs> we have – it was basically full power. Full power, uh, both teams. Nobody was injured for each one. Um, there you go. That's what, That's roster. probably what I heard. <laughs> yeah, it was a full healthy rock. Because in the past games, somebody was injured. Somebody was sitting out. And so yeah. it, was, it was a bad gauge. But then this one, full stacked, all cards on the table. Lakers came out on top. And so that's where a lot of people started saying, oh, Lakers have, are, are probably the heavy favorites to win this year. Yeah. And I just, it, I just think this whole COVID thing is so unfortunate for LeBron because this is totally – I feel like his – the argument that people are making on the Jordan versus LeBron, who's the GOAT, you know, type of thing, it's funny because – I mean, it's not funny, but uh, it's it's just ironic because both the year that COVID hits, like that affects a year that they were doing pretty good and a very solid contention that they could have had another championship, which he could add to his legacy, and now that's been thrown off and, like, ruining his momentum. And he's not getting any younger, you know. It's like these years are crucial – and in addition to that, Jordan has, you know, the last dance come out, which convinces way more people who maybe were on the fence. They're like, okay, Jordan is for sure the best. <laughs> so, it's like two things against him this year is so unfortunate. Yeah, and actually to kind of go back to your question of like, would the Warriors beat um, the Bulls, right? So, I think it comes down to this. It's like, well, what rules are you playing, right? Are you playing 90s era rules? Then, bam, yeah, Warriors aren't going to stand a freaking chance. But then if you're playing like new era rules, then – I think, yeah, Warriors would probably make the Bulls get a run for their money. Um, and then if you're, shoot, if you're talking about, like, a three-point game, if you're playing, like, this area rules and you're playing three-pointers, I don't think the, um, the, the Bulls can do it. Like, if you pull them out, like, some ideal game of, like, basically tournament of power status, right, for Dragon Ball, and you pull them <laughs> out from their respective timelines and to just go match up, 
to play Warriors rules, I think Warriors have a good shot at winning and beating the Bulls because they just keep throwing that down. If anybody yeah. goes for a layup, they're going to get tackled. It's kind of like the uh, Floyd Mayweather, Conor McGregor fight. No, it's like they come from such different – I mean, obviously not to that degree, like in uh, UFC versus boxing, but, like, it's so different that it's like you almost need, like, let's do a championship where we play, like, modern rules, and let's do a championship where we play, like, 90s rules. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so back in that fight, holy crap, I was rooting for Conor McGregor because the other guy's oh, a white beater and he's a terrible human being. Yeah, fuck Floyd by Mayweather. A bus. Did you see that recent quote from uh, Conor? Uh, what do you say? About recently? that? So basically Mike Tyson just said something like, he's like, yeah, you take a guy who just like had no boxing experience and just trained and then fought the like arguably best heavyweight championship uh, boxer for like the past 50 years. And he went 10 rounds with him. He's like, as far as I'm concerned, Connor was the fucking winner there. He's a badass mofo. And then Connor responded and basically said, thanks Mike, you know, appreciate it. And then he's like, he said like, now that I've studied Floyd and know more about him, he's like, we're going to fight again and like make no mistake. I'm going to fucking crack that shell, you know, type of thing. Okay, as I'm like pondering about that, I'm like, McGregor, shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, dude, I, dude, I'm all for it. I believe him. Maybe I'm drinking the Kool Aid, but like when Connor talks and the way like how pragmatic he is with the sport, maybe not as a human, <laughs> or uh, just, but just with the sport and how it like smart he is with his training and just like analyzing opponents, I, uh, I believe it. I don't know. <laughs> I want to see know, it. A lot of the stuff is like that and for a lot of people it's like oh no fighting is like you can't analyze it blah blah it's stupid you're just throwing fists it's just it's violent but no it's you break it down and there's technique it's basically chess but much more painful yeah much more quicker yeah actually it's more like checkers it's not really chess take that back but um but still there's still a complexity to it and so and the like, I think another people. What I like at least was like, what a what a Floyd's big. What's one of Floyd's biggest criticisms that his fights are boring, right? He's smart, but he's boring, right? Mm-hmm. So the fact that like Connor got him to be more entertaining, at least in the first couple of rounds, because the way Connor fights is so, you know, it's a, it like exposes such a weakness for Floyd because Connor's so explosive in the first couple of rounds. He's known for like anything so quickly that making Floyd kind of like come out of his shell more. That's another victory in itself. So I don't know. I think, yeah, no, I think Mike Tyson had a good argument where it's like, yeah, you took basically a fish out of water to go fight a cat kind of thing, right? In yeah. its own elements. Yes. I mean, well, let's, let's take a shark. Shark out of its own elements in land to fight like a bobcat kind of thing. Weird yeah. analogy that I'm making. Bobcat's <laughs> going to win. Why? He's going to just let him like tire himself out kind of thing. Boom. But then if you put the freaking bobcat in the water, yeah, no, guarantee. I don't think Floyd Mayweather is going to survive three rounds in UFC we're kicking is allowed. Oh yeah. There's always, they always like, there's always back and forth of like, Oh yeah, Floyd's going to do it. Oh yeah. There's talk, but I don't know. We'll see if it actually happens. No, but. Floyd's okay. As much as an uneducated illiterate fuck that he is, he's not that dumb. He's said it a few times. I don't know if he's just talking shit just to like get press and just kind of get hype up again. But hype, I mean, money do you think smart would, enough. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he would do a UFC fight, but you never know. But uh, I think there could be a rematch of box, uh, rematch of boxing. I could see that. I could see Floyd agreeing to that because he knows he has the advantage and it would make him look good. And obviously, you get paid a fuck ton of money. Yeah. So that's the thing is that like I don't. I think they would do a rematch, but I think Floyd would want to do it in his own terms. And that's the thing is that like he's smart enough to always make it to his terms because he knows y'all want to see a fight, but it won't happen until I say yes, and I'll say yes if I give you out the terms. So it's like one of the things it's like 
uh, if I lay out the terms immediately, I can say, hey, I already said you want to fight. You got to say yes. I already said yes. But now you put another, you put the other party at a disadvantage. It's like, shoot, now I got to fight on your terms. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing is that, yeah, he's an illiterate idiot, but he's smart. About yeah, he's it. very good at his niche. Yeah. 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 If, but I think that's a, on one hand, he is very good at that, but there is also the con that he has of he's not getting any younger, <laughs> similar LeBron type of thing. So he has that working against him. So even if he does do that, there is also the age thing and Connor's like in his peak pretty much. So well, I mean, Connor's not also getting any younger either. Cause his peak was a few years ago. Yeah, true. But I, it's, it's hard to say whether a lot of his peak could be attributed to like, like him just kind of taking time off. Cause he kind of had a few incidents over the past few years and it was only <laughs> cause he's a dumbass about this. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, but uh, he's a good, I mean, he, he's like, like Floyd, he's, like the genius at his niche too, because I mean, what are we doing? Talk what's, who's the only UFC fighter we've been talking about? Conor McGregor. Cause he's the guy known for UFC. He knows how to get his name out there, you know? Fair enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So do you watch me much UFC? I do not. So the thing is that I, I do enjoy, so I did do MMA before I so saw, I know some of the techniques and stuff like that in terms of the, uh, the fighters. I only know the people who make the headlines. And so yeah, outside exactly. of that, I, like, that's it. Yeah. Did you hear about, you obviously must have heard about the most recent uh, fight that happened even with COVID, right? Um, I don't know who the people, the fighters were, but I do know the controversy behind those fights. That like, would, that they shouldn't even be happening with COVID, that type of thing? Uh, UFC broke a lot of different safety protocols was one. Uh, the, I think the main card or one of the top cards of the fight were um, pulled because one person and his staff was uh, po- tested positive for COVID. Oh, yeah, I did hear about that. Was that Khabib? Was it him? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I do know he's a beast, dude. I've seen his training, and I'm just like, all right, it's stupid. But if you survive it, you're a, you're a monster. <laughs> yeah. Justin, wasn't Justin Goeth or something like that? <laughs> this uh, is I'm the sorry. worst. I know nothing about UFC. I just hear these, like, obscure headlines. All our UFC friends must be cringing. <laughs> uh. I know some people that are very invested in the UFC and all I can say right now is that they're probably, if they're listening, they're going to face palm pretty freaking damn hard. <laughs> they're just going to like put, post this online of like most uneducated, idiotic commentary on sports ever. <laughs> pretty much. But uh, at the sake of getting, not quitting while we're somewhat ahead. Uh, let's see. What other, let's, let's talk about our teams that we like. What are your teams, Ja? Run through the list. Oh dear. Um, your teams or your players? Like who sticks out to you? All right, in terms of teams, I'll just rank it right now. My favorite teams in terms of sports and category is uh, LA Kings for hockey because I know very little about it. I do know that there's a whole rivalry between Kings and San Jose Sharks, and I live in the Bay Area, so I'm very popular. Um, I get heckled a lot, actually. But um, there's that. The next one I'd be probably invested in would be, um, be a tie between the Rams for football in LA and the Dodgers baseball team. And the reason why I say that is for a good stretch of time, for a couple of years, the Rams are doing super well. And so because of that, it's easy to root for a team that's doing well. But with current days, if you guys are familiar with what's going on, the Rams released a brand new logo a few weeks ago. And this past week, they released their new jerseys. With that said, Nike, who I very love wearing their products, designed the jerseys. <laughs> Basically, they hired their marketing team from Ikea, to design these jerseys so they look like hot garbage. Nice. And I'm sitting here thinking, can I be in a medically induced coma 
until 2021 when they released one more New Jersey, and I hope it doesn't suck. <laughs> it was just that bad. It was awful. Wow. We lock- the Rams have a very bad contract with their quarterback who's underperformed. What's well, his name? Jared Goff. So he's a Bay Area favorite because he's a Berkeley grad, uh, Berkeley, Berkeley kid. Oh, okay. And he did really well with uh, the Golden Bears. Mm. But And so a lot of Bay Area people are actually rooting for the Rams because like people root for Peyton Manning. He's quote-unquote a Bay Area kid. Wow. Peyton Manning. Uh, uh, Tom, Brady, Tom, Brady, Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's now with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, which is now the Patriot – uh, Tampa Bay Patriots. <laughs> Pretty much without Bill Belichick. Would it be funny if Bill <laughs> announces he's switching to the Buccaneers? <laughs> they just do a coach trade. Oh my gosh, this is pretty bad actually because I think it's part of the drama is between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. But anyway, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, because uh, Tom like apparently didn't get the salary, uh, didn't get salary like that he wanted, and Bill apparently wanted to sub in um, uh, who's the guy in 49ers? Fuck, I should but, know this. Oh my god, Jimmy G. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, apparently he wanted to put Jimmy G in and like against Tom or something like, or not against Tom, but before Tom. Hey, I mean it's already proven here. Jimmy G led your team into the uh, the, the playoffs the second year or one point five years of playing with the Niners. Super Bowl, yeah. Super Bowl, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was it's man. That's another thing. This is another story. So, like I said, my team, like John mentioned his teams. I mentioned my teams, the Giants. 49ers, Warriors, um, Sharks too, but honestly, I don't know a whole lot about them. But if, like, I had to pick a specific hockey team, it's definitely them. But, yeah, going back to the 49ers, that's another thing that bugs me. Just uh, the treatment of Jimmy Garoppolo is so, like, uh, just frustrates me so much. How many, like, like a guy can, like, have, like like you said, 1.5 years in, go to the Super Bowl, and arguably, I mean, every, I don't think anyone would say make a case for him being the greatest of all time in terms of quarterback. Everyone seems to understand that the 49ers, like – the reason that they made it in is because their defense is so good and they have a really well-rounded out team full of a lot of great young new talent like George Kittle, um, uh, Nick Bosa. Did very except- well for me for the fantasy league. What? They did well for you? George Kittle, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that guy's a beast. He's awesome. Um, and um, so a lot of people, like when this happened or when the Super Bowl happened and the 49ers like, were winning and then kind of lost it at the end, a lot of people attributed that strictly to Jimmy G. And, like, yeah, he did definitely, like, make some mistakes. But having a lot of, like, players made mistakes in the end, it's just the amount of, like, idiot sports commentators the next day who were just instantly, like, trade Jimmy G for Tom Gr- or Tom Brady. It's, the, like, the only smart move to make. It's like, dude, he's 1.5 years he's in the Super Bowl. And, like, yeah, he didn't win it, but, like, made it at least that close and made a few mistakes. And you, like, view that as an absolute loss worthy of being traded, like, like, or the only – Next move is like being traded. So it's just like sports commentators are such dicks. Like they're just they're some of them. I mean, not all of them, but you know. So that's the funny thing. I, I mean, I didn't know about that because I was in Japan at the time. So I didn't. I wasn't present. I wasn't physically present in the United States to see the fallout for that. But um, so with that said, so all right, Jared Goff, going back yeah. on my team, he he blew it with the Patriots that year. Mm-hmm. It was apparently the worst rated uh or one of the worst rated Super Bowl games because it was so low scoring it was so unexciting and so if you're an LA fan you understand that we overpaid a quarterback thinking that he's gold guys hot garbage in the sense of like watching every time I physically watch him play on TV it's like watching the guy hesitates 
And so yeah. for a guy who made it to the Super Bowl and who got a fat contract, who did poorly, I would say sports analysts should make the comments towards something like that as opposed to the uh, the 49ers where they did well. And when you physically watch the game, the kid isn't actually hesitating as much as compared to other people. And so mm-hmm. I would agree with you as some of these analysts are kind of unforgiving. <laughs> they're unforgiving. They're on a high horse, but at the same time, it's funny if you think about or the way I see it right now is I, I watch a lot of games and when there's a blowout during the uh, playoffs, it's kind of like, well, tomorrow we were going to see the headlines. They should have done this. They should have done that. And like even the uh, commentators mid game, who I feel like are a lot more objective are like, great. It's almost sarcastic as they make the joke. I bet you're going to see that headline. They should have done this. They should have done that. Yeah. Sports like, really are always so hindsight is 50, 50 and like, just like act like they could have called it from the get go, you know? Yeah. And then, so it's like, great. Now we're going to see those headlines tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Great. And it's, <laughs> it's I laugh and I chuckle about it. When I'm watching mid game. I'm like, yeah, that's right. We're going to hear that because some of these analysts don't know jack about it. <laughs> Which goes back on Michael Jordan. Holy crap. A lot of these people, they come out and they say, no, I would have made a different call because I'm the greatest of all time. But really, let's be real. Would you have made that call? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, the two sports commentators that I think are most like, I guess, widely known, uh, Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> At least those are the ones most on my radar that like Skip Bayless always has some dumbass controversial take. Like, have you heard his takes on LeBron? Uh, it's, I think he's very, um, is he the one that's very against LeBron or very for LeBron? Very against like he, okay. yeah, he's like the biggest fan of, uh, God, who is that fucking uh, football player, the Christian one that everyone hated? Tom Brady. No, he's Christian. Uh, well, anyways, it's oh, uh, uh, Tim Tebow. Yes, he's like the biggest Tim Tebow fan, but he just like will never give LeBron his due type of thing. Like somebody made a comment, like LeBron could walk on water, and Skip would say something like, "Oh, he's just trying. He's just scared of being on land or something like that." <laughs> like it just everything. Like I remember in that 2016 NBA uh, NBA Finals when the uh, uh, fuck Cavs won. Uh, Skip Bayless, they were ta- Skip Bayless and Stephen A. Smith were talking about like MVPs of the game, and I think most people would say it's either LeBron or Kyrie. I think most people would kind of agree it's LeBron, and uh, Skip was the only person to say Kyrie, <laughs> just because he said LeBron was. I don't know. He just he said Kyrie. He said yes, LeBron did score more points like overall through the games, but Kyrie was the guy at the very end who like cinched in, like sealed the deal, even though he didn't score throughout the games as many. He just thought like that most. He basically Kyrie did the final death blow while LeBron like set it up for the death blow to be thrown. You know. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah, I did hear a lot of jokes about that. Yeah. Kyrie yeah. is a dangerous mofo, man. That guy, I will say, he is like – I remember every time I'd watch a game with him, like, I'd be paranoid. <laughs> like, he's going to – like, that NBA Finals at the end, he was just making too many, like, good shots. I'm like, oh, this guy is fucking uh. – Actually, it's funny that you bring up Kyrie. So, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, the fact that they're not on the same team with the Brooklyn Nets, I fundamentally hate the Brooklyn Nets to my core at this point <laughs> because, well, one, you have Kevin Durant who doesn't understand why society hates him. Like – I remember, like, why y'all guys keep me calling me Cupcake? I'm not soft. I'm doing so well with the Warriors. Um, I'm calling you Cupcake because you left 3-1. and one. After losing 3-1, and one, you joined the team that beat you. 
Yeah. And um, the reason why he didn't resign with the Warriors was it always felt like it was Steph Curry's team, never my team. Yeah, he like, did do that. Yeah, and him and Draymond never got along too. Yeah, that's another one. But I mean, well, that's that's just locker room. You anyway. So if that was your main reason why you left a team that basically was winning so damn hard, and you want to keep chasing rings because you're just that much of a loser in that sense of like you need, you know that you're not enough, and you're trying to be on the best team to do it. Um, and that was your reason. It's it's kind of like saying it's like, okay, I'm gonna join the Lakers. In twenty in two thousand six two thousand eight, but I'm gonna call it my team. But let's be real, Kobe was there. It's never going to be your team because it's going to be Kobe's team. Yeah, that's what he what did. Smoking. Say. Yeah, he said he also felt like he was never embraced by the fans. I think he recently said that, and like he was also saying it was kind of awkward. Or like the Lakers, I mean, sorry, not the Lakers, the Warriors on the opposite side were saying like it was awkward for them because they'd be asked like around 2019, 18-19 season, like, is is uh, he coming back? Is Kevin Durant coming back? And they, like, he never let them know, so it was kind of ambiguous. I, like, it kind of would have been nice, that, like, from the get-go, if he would have said, like, all right, this will be my last season with the Warriors. I had a great time, but I'm, like, want to try out new things. Uh, but, yeah, it was kind of awkward on both sides because Kevin said he never felt like this, like, closeness, but he never said that at the time, so it was kind of ambiguous and nobody exactly knew what he was feeling. So, I don't know. Yeah, and one of my favorite commentaries, I forgot who said this, I, I was listening to it, and he said, well, y'all know how Kevin Durant is. He's very emotional. He <laughs> won't make a decision until you know it. And so it was, I think it was right before trade sign. It was July 1st. I was sitting at a bar after church with some friends, and it was funny. We were, we were making a joke. So one guy was a Warriors fan. Another guy was a Detroit fan, and I was a Lakers fan. And we all made a joke, as long as we're not Nick fans. <laughs> 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 so I think some guy did make that comment during those 24 hours and said, you know how he is. He'll make a decision. He'll talk to the people that he's close to, but at the end of the day, he's emotional. He'll respond to his feelings. And so I wouldn't approve of that. It's not the Jedi way. <laughs> and the fact that he like, he joined with another player like Kyrie Irving, who always feels like, Oh, I'm in someone's shadow. I'm this and that. Right. Yeah, that's why he like, left uh, the Cavs, right? Because he wasn't feeling his due with LeBron on the team, too. Yeah, and he said that, like, I wanted to be my team. Yeah. Okay, first of all, you're competing. You're second fiddle to LeBron freaking James, who's <laughs> who, who had so much weight when he came into the league, and he's coming back. He's returning home. Yeah. yeah. Don't you understand what that really means in the grand scheme of things? Of course, you're going to be playing second fiddle. And that's so interesting too. It's like how do you, like I think some people have talked about like how are Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie going to get along? Is it going to be just like are they just going to clash and it's not going to work out? Because like in like when I first heard it, I thought that was like a pretty potent combo. But then when looking a little bit deeper into it, it is interesting, kind of wondering how it's going to play out. You know? Yeah. So that's the thing is I'm looking at it right now and I'm dissecting it like as we're talking about it. It's, well, are they really going to be getting along for their mutual disdain for like, oh, I was second fiddle the whole time. Now like, we're this dynamic duel. But what if one outshines the other? One yeah. is arguably a better shooter, arguably a better score. So people are going to say, yeah, I like Kevin Durant better. Kyrie, sure, he's flashier. And he's also flat earther because he's an idiot. But <laughs> I had to make that comment. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> that had to be said at least once. But yeah, so it's like, well, what if one person outshines the other? Are you going to be upset about that again? Because 
both of you are divas because Kyrie made a whole statement. Will you guys have me in Boston? Basically, so if I, I'm going to stay in Boston, next day he's like, y'all snakes. I hate Boston. How dare you? <laughs> Damn. And I actually didn't know about that. That's pretty funny. He had a speech. He had the mic and said, I want to stay in Boston. Will you guys have me? One <laughs> season later, you guys don't understand the drama behind the office, man. Uh, yeah, no. Off, front office treats you as an asset. They don't treat you as human. I understand wow. that. But let's be perfectly clear. In the media, you painted a picture for yourself. In the next season, you painted 180. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he wasn't – that Celtics thing didn't seem like it was going anywhere. He wasn't going to win any championships for the Celtics. Did anyone think so? Uh, no. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So. And so most recently he actually released a statement. So do you know who Kemba Walker is? No. <laughs> I'm going to so Google him right now. He originally was playing for the, um, the, uh, the uh, Charlotte Hornets. Their best, arguably their best player, their franchise player, but he ended up leaving and he signed with Boston Celtics. Um, and so Kyrie made a shot and said, "Hey, we all know we want to see it. We want y'all want to see me play against Kemba Walker." And when I read that headline, the first thing that came up came to mind was, "How about you actually stay healthy? Because <laughs> you're always injured for some damn reason. Why do we why do we say that? Get that yeah. straight out first. And the second thing that came to mind was no nobody's thinking that <laughs> they play the same position so they would match up but yeah no nobody's thinking that because you play very differently mm. no one cares literally no one cares about that I matchup de- i definitely don't <laughs> i've never so, somebody who doesn't know who kemba kemba walker was until about a minute ago <laughs> he was on the most recent um national team for uh the uh what year is it 2018 the 2018 or 2019 um, international team for uh, basketball. He was arguably one of our better players, but he sucked. Um, okay, in the grand scheme of things, it's like he's he's a really good player objectively, but when it comes down to comparing it to other people in the league, he doesn't hold a candle to them. Okay. Huh. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I haven't really heard of him too much, and I feel yeah. like I'm a good barometer of the average person who doesn't pay attention to sports because, like, I don't – like, I'm not as into it as you are, like, for basketball for sure, so I only hear the, like, highlights of what people talk about. I, like I said, I haven't heard of him. Yeah, and that's my hit on Kyrie. <laughs> I respect him. I think he's a great basketball player. We're born the same year in 1992, but at the end of the day, oh, my gosh, shut up. <laughs> you, stay within the cap- you don't know how to market yourself. Yeah, yeah. not very good at that. Like, Steph Curry, who's very humble, he's a solid Christian guy, and at the same time, like, he, he's always very nice. He's always very calm about things. Yeah. And then yeah, he's, you have, he's super level-headed, too. He's super level-headed. Then you have LeBron, who's, okay, yeah, he's kind of a crybaby. Sure, I'll <laughs> give you that. But at the end of the day, who's right now the biggest name in the league? It's hard to be – that good and not be kind of a crybaby and a little bit of a diva, you know? <laughs> it's uh, one other analyst said something. It's like, why are you guys complaining to LeBron? If you guys ever watch basketball, Michael Jordan did the same thing. He, he got mad at refs and started yelling at them for calls. If you see magic Johnson. Yeah. Every superstar has always yelled at refs. Yeah. Calls. Why are you complaining about LeBron when he's complaining about calls? And the fact that, like, Jordan won as many championships as he did might be the, like, explain why LeBron is, like, more stereotyped as being the guy who does it because he's been in so many championships and lost so many 
whereas Jordan just is known for like was it six? He's known for six, but every time when somebody brings up the um, championship argument, I'm like, but there's a player called Robert Ori who has more. Oh, does he? He, yeah, he has more. Um, mm. No, there's there's an astronomical okay, not astronomical, but there's a there's a there's a huge amount of players that has more chips than he does because they just happen to be on better teams at the time, or they happen to pick up more championships as a coach after too. Mm. And Bill Russell, who has oh, you mean you, so you're counting if they ever picked it up as a coach? Uh, well, the players that I'm listing are players that picked it up as a player. Oh, okay. There are some that have more because as a coach as well. Yeah, um, that's, the, so, that's, the, that's the argument Shaq uses. Apparently, Shaq and Charles, <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, obviously everyone knows Shaq and Charles Barkley, like commentators on a lot of things. They constantly argue about like basketball and have minor debates like these. And that's always the argument. Charles Barkley said, like, that's always the argument Shaq uses. Like, how many rings do I have? How many rings do you have? <laughs> like, that's got to suck. So it's that's another reason why I kind of started like not liking Shaq. So I was a big Shaq fan growing up because uh, I like to play. <laughs> no, I've actually never seen that, but it was always because like, I no, like Steel. playing post Steel was the movie they did, right? <laughs> Sorry. He was in both, but I haven't seen both either. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, what was I saying with that? Well, yeah. So learning that he's actually kind of a dick in real life, Shaq, he's, he's good. He's good at business. He knows how to figure things out and market himself, but like inside NBA, when he's like dicking with, I forgot it was you or somebody sent me a clip of just him blowing up on Charles Barkley, even when he's just trying to be like making a comment. And for some reason, Charles Barkley just gets chewed out for no apparent reason. I've seen a few of those clips. (laughs) Yeah. And then it's it's stuff like that where it's become like, I like the man. He brought the Lakers three Pete, but there's things about him that bother you. Yeah, so that's where it's like – so actually, so my favorite player of all time, and a lot of older Laker fans will probably burn me at the cross and crucify me for this. My favorite player of all time is Tim Duncan. Huh. Okay. Explain. A couple reasons is, well, he's a power forward who plays inside, but he's also a nice guy on and off the court when he plays. So when he plays, people are always trying to trash talk him, and there's anecdotes where, like, I try trash talking to him to intimidate him he didn't respond back so i stopped (laughs) um other times where like he would try to actually coach me mid-game to tell me to play better and how to play better and what moves he's going to do and he ends up scoring on me exactly the way he's about he described it wow Um, he's six foot 11 i just looked him up now that's the day i was born (laughs) june 11th oh nice (laughs) Man, no, off the court, he's a big nerd. He has a Punisher tattoo. <laughs> wow. He plays Dungeons and Dragons, and everybody makes fun of him for always wearing pretty much. You know how in the '90s you you wear like the plaid long sleeve and really like baggy baggy jeans. Yeah, like the grunge look. Yeah, and then like people, or no, more like an old dad look. Hmm, okay. And then like people would always be like trying to show up and like lay his clothing and such like that. And he showed up straight up, like, with his backpack and, like, plaid shirt and jeans. And, like, what's up, guys? Wow. And so right, he's I, just – I like this guy. He yeah. sounds like – I was. did you mean – when you say favorite player, do you mean, uh, like, personality-wise and playing-wise combined or just, like, playing-wise or personality? Playing-wise, yeah. So it was very, like, um, 
And so I regret it. Like, I wish I had more money as a kid growing up so I can go to more games and see him play. And the one game where I saw his team play, he didn't play. Mm, that sucks. Ugh. Yeah. And so I'm like, dang it. It sucks. I missed out. But, hey, it is what it is. You could meet him someday. You never know. I could. And <laughs> I bought his jersey. I think he's he sticks be... out at six foot 11. You'll probably notice. <laughs> oh, probably, yeah. And he's going to be enshrined at the Hall of Fame this year in August. So guess who's wearing his Tim Duncan jersey on in August? Nice. Too bad he never played for the Lakers. That'd be that'd be awesome, right? I I would just jizz in my pants. <laughs> hey, fair. We all got to do it. Um, when you say he's your favorite player, are we talking just basketball or like all sports? All sports. Okay. Because I think for me, that's another good topic. Favorite players. So it's stereotypical to admit, and I think a lot of people would say this and might just say I'm a bandwagoner, but as a Giants fan, Madison Bumgarner, <laughs> that's kind of like two, two, I always wanted to get into the Giants in a year they weren't doing so good. So I specifically picked 2013 because <laughs> that was the year they uh, were, that, you know, it's like they used to have the even, the believe in. So it would be 2010, 2012, 2014. So 2013, I officially said, all right, this is the year I'll be a Giants fan. And um, then 2014 um, with Madison, Madison Bumgarner just was kind of the guy known who basically carried the whole team pretty – at least pitching wise carried the whole team and like really was the MVP that made that success story happen. And uh, for me, at least that like, I want I think we all want a good story. You know, when we watch sports, we want a close game is like nail biting is like hard racing as you can get. And for me, do you remember that 2014 world series or probably not so much? Cause it's giants. <laughs> yeah. Not so much. Yeah. It's basically, it was so it was a, it was giants versus Royals and the game went, it would, the world series went seven games. It was, um, so the, uh, basically, like, I watched, you know, for every World Series, they make, like, the MLB makes a documentary package on, like, what happened. Mm-hmm. And I remember I, like, ordered it and rewatched it just to get familiar. And basically, the MO from it is, like, everybody else let the team down. <laughs> Mad Bum was, like, the one guy they had to keep putting in. Like, he pitched, like, game one and game three, I think, and he won both games. And then he only had like a few days rest, like way more rest or way less rest than he should have. And he pitched game seven. He came in and basically like was the reason they won game seven at the very last minute. Like the, there's a runner, the very last minute he pitches something where a guy gets on third. So it's like a tie game, game seven, like the eighth or ninth inning as close as it gets. There's a guy on third. There's like two fucking outs. Like it cannot get any closer than this. And, um, the guys on third. So literally uh, the hitter right now, all he has to do is hit like one to first run, um, one first base run, and then have the guy on third not get out and they can just like get the advantage and instead hits a pop-up and uh, the Panda Pablo Sandoval catches it like uh, as a foul ball. And then the giants win. It was like, I don't know. It was just one of the, that that's like, that's like, for me, that's my game. That was like the, thing that got me into baseball and sports like so strongly and obviously Giants been able haven't been able to replicate it as much but that was my like player and game because of that solid all right yeah I yeah, know I know um he's a, he's definitely a fan favorite from all I hear especially as being a transplant right now with the Bay I yeah. do hear a lot of like commentary about like yeah no he's definitely a lot of people's players yeah I like the uh Kershaw and Baumgartner rivalry too because uh like oh Kershaw <laughs> yeah i know i feel bad for it's like that's bad if you know a giants fan feels bad for kershaw because like obviously i always want the dodgers to lose every time they're in but even like some of those last like that last season where kershaw fucked up i felt i felt that one um like i said 
LA fans are very fickle. And so the year when we lost to the, uh, the Astros, I was livid. I was slamming my table. Um, <laughs> what was that? 2015, 16? Uh, t- I think 2016, 2017, okay. I think it was Houston Astros. Yeah. Or is it other way? Around? Anyways, either way. So I was upset. But then when it came down to Kershaw that day, I was like, damn it. I know that Kershaw lost us the game. Let's be real. Kershaw did lose us the game. But at the end of the day, he regretted so much that like, that's just how the cookie crumbles. That's he, all I can say. You're saying he regretted like his mistakes? So no, he he did. So I was watching the game, and like, there's a fan that walked up to the field and threw his jersey onto the field and left the stadium. Huh. Um, it was a Kershaw jersey, and then so and Kershaw, you see him in the dugout sitting by himself throughout yeah. the entire game. He's yeah, completely upset. Yeah, I did see that. That's like I think that's the stereotype. It's that like Bumgarner because Bumgarner and Kershaw were the two that everyone pits up against each other. And uh, Kershaw is, like, known as the guy who's, like, your dude for, like, the regular season, whereas he's, you know, kind of chokes – he's known for choking the postseason, whereas it's the opposite for Bumgarner. He's, like, solid in the postseason – or the regular season, but the postseason where he's, like, he's your guy to use type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, at least it was back in the – now it's kind of petered out a little bit. But, uh, yeah, I like I, – I don't know. That dichotomy is interesting for sure, though. Yeah, so – that brings me to the point where I hate the Giants. I ever told you the reason why I hate the Giants? Not even because of a baseball thing. I don't care about baseball. But was when it, it comes fans to were douchey? Was that it? So I was at a bar in my alma mater, and I'm thinking, sweet, I'm gonna watch Mad, Mad uh, March Madness. Yeah. Well, my team's Duke versus what was it? Shoot, uh, Ohio or something like that. Anyways, um, it was one of the most exciting games ever. There was like. 15, 17 lead changes. It was hotly contested. I couldn't watch it. Why couldn't I watch it? Because I met a bunch of um, Giants fans who uh, said, no, we want to watch the season opener. Where we want to – it was like I think the year after they won or something like that. Okay, 2015. No, we we want to watch them win. Uh, we want to watch them see their, see their season opener. And I'm like, wait, where's their season opener? Not at home, at an away game. <laughs> there were getting their rings. Huh. Why are we watching a season opener game when you're not presented your damn rings <laughs> for a March Madness finals game that was probably one of the best games that's been played in this past decade? Why didn't you talk to the bartender and be like, hey, I fuck did. that? <laughs> I did. And? and he said, I'm sorry. They heckled at me. <laughs> a lot. Wow. So and you just had, had to, to be change. more drunk. You just had to be more drunk to deal with it. <laughs> and I was like, I just sat there. I'm just like, it's fine. Everything <laughs> is fine. You're like the bur- the dog in the burning house. This is fine. <laughs> no. I, and then from that day, I, I didn't care. It's like the whole believing year. I'm like, all right, cool. John Swan. I don't care. Whatever. You're from LA. Do you like baseball? Nah, I don't care. After that, from that day moving forward, I'm like, I want every awful thing to happen to the Giants <laughs> to make Giants fans feel how disappointed I was that day. In a way, this is probably good because it, it's nice to have that rivalry, isn't it? The Giants, LA, the Giants and Dodgers thing. It's kind of nice to have a good rivalry like that, right? It's nice to hate a team. I, I, I want Giants to burn. 
<laughs> I feel the same way about the Dodgers, but uh, you actually uh, care about the sport. I'm like, I don't care about the sport. I just objectively hate the Giants had, in that sense. I had one similar moment that kind of fueled my like rivalry for the Giants. So uh, I can explain. I mean, Go rivalry for, for the Dodgers. So uh, basically, it was 2014. I remember specifically, it was like game five or six before game seven. And uh, one dude from LA that I didn't specifically that I really don't like was like, "How does it feel to know Giants are one game away from losing?" And, uh, and then this exact thing I said to him without even thinking about it, without like thinking about the like how probable this was, I said something like, "We'll let you know after we win," <laughs> and like just like basically like you know bluffing because I don't know. Obviously, I don't know what's gonna happen. I just hope it does, and I'm talking trash. And then they end up do what they do end up winning, and I specifically remember texting him after like, hey, "How's that feel?" You know. There you go. Solid. Fair enough. I mean, like, I'll give you that. But at the end of the day, I'm just like, I hate you. I'm not you all, but like, you hate what they represent. <laughs> I hate what they represent. Yeah. Truthfully, you just hate those douchebags, and they just happen to be wearing Giants jerseys. <laughs> they, that's exactly it. And I'm sorry, every other Giants fan who is probably a legitimately wonderful human being, you guys are all caught up in my pure hate and revenge. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. I think I think it's good to have a like rivalry. I I like the fact that like teams hate the other side so much. I don't know, keeps it interesting, you know. I've told people I'm like I hate the Giants for a very petty reason, but at the end of the day, I don't care what you say and what you like make fun of me for. I still hate you to my core. <laughs> hey, fair enough. And, I, and it's funny, like every time when I preface that, nobody ever makes fun of me for it. It's like I think a lot of people are like, I know, okay, all right, at least you know that it's petty, sure. But at the same time, it's like. I think at this point, anything we say to you would just make you more angry. <laughs> yeah, no, it will. Yeah. No, but I think you're not a, like, unique case. I think a lot of people do hate other teams for that reason. And it's not even so much, like, for, like, douchebags, like, fucking up, like, them watching another game or, like, pissing them off at a bar. It's, like, people just naturally want to, like, have that rivalry with the team. So, I think you're in good company. <laughs> I think it's, it's – I feel like the whole King san Jose Sharks thing is more of a healthier rivalry where it's, like, haha, it's because of the whole, like, whatever I'll, I'll do i'll be on that bandwagon <laughs> the whole giants thing it really started out from that it's like i don't care about baseball i have a hard time following baseball but at the end of the day when it comes down to game day you will see me be like cheering when giants are doing bad <laughs> fair enough i'll do the same for the dodgers but honestly we wouldn't have it any other way it's the way to do it have you how you have a good franchise right yeah I gotta say, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not looking forward to the next couple of years for the Giants. It's gonna be rough because Bruce Bochy, their uh, general manager, left, and then the guy they got has a really bad track record and just doesn't look like a very competent guy. Um, bad track record, both in terms of like personality and like what he actually did. Like, I think he was the general manager for the Pirates and like did not a very impressive record for them. And then he also uh, had some like shady shit go down with some sexual harassment that like what happened under his nose that he didn't like call out type of thing too. So I'm like, Oh God. And then Bumgarner's gone. And then a lot of the players that were like great that you loved in like the 2010, 2014 years, or like they're kind of past their prime at this point and just kind of there still, which is nice. Cause it's like, you know, it's good seeing those faces, but at the same time you got to pump new blood in that's like worth the money, you know? Hey, sexual harassment is always a good reason on why to hire somebody. <laughs> not really. Not at all. But, um, Dodgers seem like they're at least, like, in a better place, you know? Um, so, that's the thing is that, like, people were like, oh, um, they're probably going to take it because they signed a really good – this is how much I know about baseball. It's like they signed a really good player. It's basically if you – okay, last year was if you guys lost, we'll laugh at you. Now it's if you lose this year, 
oh my gosh, don't you dare ever show your face into the league again. <laughs> yeah, kind of like the Kevin Durant going on the Warriors type of thing. It's like you guys are too stacked. Yeah, and so like I had to ask a couple of coworkers. They they know how I feel about like they they know my aptitude for baseball is not very high. Yeah. And so I asked them, hey, I'll be honest with you. Can you explain what just happened? I know this happened. But can you explain <laughs> I just don't why? know the ramifications for what it's, what's its significance. Yeah, like I, I see why everyone's freaking out. I see that. But why? <laughs> and then they're like, okay, yeah, sure. Let me explain to you. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll talk trash to you on game day. But until then, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Did you know, is Yasiel Puig still on the team? Do you even know? No, he's on a different team. All right. Is Bumgarner and him, did you know about the rivalry between them? No, but I do know that the one year when I started following baseball a little bit more, I see Puig starting fights all the time, and I'm like, why do we have – I'm like, this is entertaining, but why do I have him? <laughs> that guy is such a fucking monster. Like, he looks like a real-life Hulk, so big, so bulky. But oh, uh, The guy's ripped. But yeah. He's also, I think, emotionally unstable, too. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, he, him and – I don't even know what the – like, I would love to see, like, a history of, like, this, like, feud because it, it seems so, like like – insignificant basically it's like Bumgarner doesn't like um like when people flip the bat like it's kind of disrespectful and kind of like like kind of smug like arrogant like I just hit it I'm gonna flip the bat because fuck yeah I'm doing my little victory parade you know type of thing and Mm -hmm. uh I guess Puig did it a few times he didn't like it and then they kind of both had this like yeah what about it type of thing like to each other and then um there's been like at least like three or four times where they've like charged each other type of thing so Okay, let, let the guy like flip the bat. It's it it. Well, I'll say this: it's. I wouldn't say let him do it because I think it's kind of a shitty move. But like, if he's specifically doing it to like rub it in and brag, it's a shitty move. But at the same time, it isn't the end of the world. It's not like worth getting in a fight a lot of times. But I don't. Know. Yeah, I don't think it's worth a fight. Kind of thing. It's kind of like when you do a touch. It's like the way you described it was: I score a touchdown, I'm gonna dance. That's yeah. What it sounds like. And I obviously – I don't know the whole history of this, but that's kind of seemed what it started as. Like in, oh, okay, in, okay, okay. They kind of started that and then just escalated where, like, Puig saw that Bumgarner was annoyed, so he didn't stop. He just did it further. And then even uh, – I don't know. It just kind of – it's dumb. But I don't know. Fuck it. Bumgarner's still my favorite. <laughs> Do we have any final notes for the sports episode? I feel like we've been going for a while, right? <laughs> we have. Anyways, so all I want to say is that the reason why we talked about sports is there's an empty void right now in the sports world. I figured might as well cover it. Last dance is going on. There's a bunch of people trying to bring back the NBA. Rams have a crappy logo. And really just – they've just made terrible decisions at this point. Holy crap. But Space Jam 2 is in the works, so it's all good. <laughs> um, I don't even know how I feel about that. I'm just like, all right, that's cool. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. LeBron James in it. I mean, that's got to distract from his playing. I mean, that's kind of like what happened with Ronda Rousey. She's been doing all – she went to do all the movies and she kind of lost her edge, you know. I don't ever see Ronda Rousey ever coming back to fighting again. Oh, exactly. Yeah, she tried, but she tried like once or twice and failed both times, right? Yeah, and it's like she was emotionally destroyed after that. I'm like, I can't blame you for being feeling the way you're feeling, but all right, well, that happened. What can I say? That's on her, too. I mean, she was just so smug and, like, fragile. That's, like, not a good t- – like, there's people who talk shit and, like, can say, like, ah, I lost, fuck it. You know, like, Conor McGregor, perfect example. He's lost, like, a few fights, and he's always just, like, ah, the boy did better. Fuck it. You know, I'll, I'll come back stronger. But Ronda was just, like, the most sensitive, like, <laughs> I can't do anything. And she- when it comes to Khabib – or Habib. Shoot. Is it Habib? How do you pronounce his name? Uh, Khabib, I think. Khabib. Khabib. When it comes to Khabib, <laughs> he was not merciful on that one. He's the one that beat McGregor, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
A lot of people are talking about a rematch, right? Could be even McGregor. I don't think it's ever going to happen just because of how much controversy came into that fight. Huh. But because it's so hostile, it's just how volatile the, the, the matchup is. But I, I would probably legit pay for pay-per-view for that. Yeah. Yeah, someday. I don't know. Could be. <laughs> McGregor's got so many rematches. There's people that want him to fight uh, fucking Nate Diaz. There's people that want him to fight Floyd Mather. There's people now that want him to oh, fight. Nate Diaz is because it's a one-on-one thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, Khabib is because the dude is like a monster, but uh, it's this it's it's Khabib one to zero. Mayweather, I don't really care about the Mayweather one. Eh, yeah, Mayweather is a little more Hollywood and flashy, but uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, anyways, um, anyways, thank you for listening to the Underpaid Honor Qualified with your host uh, Joe McHale and Ken Jong. See you all next time. <laughs> the Darkest Timeline Podcast. Woo. Damn straight. Bye.